you're passionate about transforming retail operations and improving performance, plus you're accountable for key change projects and programs in your company, then you're in the right place. Welcome to the Retail Transformation Show with me, Oliver Banks. Well, hello and welcome to the Retail Transformation Show. This is the podcast for you if you are interested in the ever-evolving retail marketplace and what you must do to successfully transform, including insight, ideas and inspiration to help you take action and make your transformation a success. I am your host, Oliver Banks, and as always, it is a delight and an honor to be here with you today. Thanks for tuning in. Now, I'm sure you've heard of the IoT, the Internet of Things. In fact, it's one of the technological developments that could really significantly transform retail over the next few years. As is the trend with technology right at the moment, it's generally led by consumers, so Alexa and Siri and so on, and the smart home capabilities that they bring to people. But actually, what does this look like from a retailer's perspective? Now, I'm not sure we're going to be having Alexa running your store anytime soon, whether you'd want that if you were not Amazon, of course. (laughs) That's a different matter. But nevertheless, how are you going to take advantage of the Internet of Things? And actually, as we start to see things like 5G and super, super fast broadband coming out, what does that open up as an option, as a capability option for you? I think it's a really interesting topic, so I am absolutely delighted to welcome today's special guest onto the show. And I hope it's going to provide some different ideas for you as you start to think about the Internet of Things. So today's special guest is Joe Jensen, the General Manager of the Retail Solutions Division at Intel Corporation. Now, maybe you don't think of Intel more than that catchy little boom, 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 boom. But actually, what they're doing at the Retail Solutions Division is really quite interesting. As VP, Joe's almost charged with bringing the IoT, the Internet of Things, to the retail industry, as well as to banking and hospitality and education as well. It's bringing together the hardware and the software and the advanced analytical technologies that really combine to make the Internet of Things happen, to make it an actual thing. In turn, retailers can offer more personalized shopping experiences to their customers. They can optimize the shopping trip for their operations. And overall, it helps to prepare the business for improved performance. And there are a number of different technologies that can be included in this, whether it's point of sale, ATMs, kiosks, signage, vending, all sorts of different elements. So I was keen to catch up with Joe and ask about how the IoT is reshaping the retail market and some of the different ways that you can use it to connect the digital and physical worlds together. So I caught up with Joe at the Tech Festival by Retail Week, which actually, by the way, if you didn't know, has now been encompassed into Retail Week Live. So one big event that's covering both the tech elements, but also the strategic elements. So what you could do and actually the strategy to be able to implement it into the business, which I think is a pretty smart move. Now, I'm an incredibly proud media partner for Retail Week Live, which is happening this year. 25th and 26th of March 2020. So I do thoroughly recommend you go and check it out. It's definitely going to be very interesting for you if things like the IoT are on top of your mind. 
In fact, one of their key tribes is called Digital Collaborators. So there are going to be a number of people here at Retail Week Live in March in 2020 that are going to be looking at how do you best partner as a retailer and as a supplier together to combine expertise and ultimately build a competitive advantage. So if that sounds good to you, then like I say, check it out. You can find a whole lot more information at live.retail-week.com. And if you are interested in buying tickets, then I can save you 15% as a media partner just by using the code RTS15. That's RTS for Retail Transformation Show 15. And that gets you 15% off of your ticket. So do check that out. And I'm going to include the links to that and that discount code again on the show notes page for today, which, by the way, is going to be obandco.uk slash 64. obandco.uk slash 64. So I'm keen to get into my conversation with Joe Jensen, which is all looking at how the IoT is evolving and changing and transforming retail. Here we go. So today we are lucky to be joined by Joe Jensen of Intel onto the Retail Transformation Show. Welcome, Joe. Ah, thank you. Pleasure How are you to doing today? Ah, fantastic. A lot of exciting things at the show. Super. We are here live at Tech, the Festival of Digital Commerce. You were talking earlier, and we're going to be diving into your specialist subject in a whole lot more detail, the IoT, Internet of Things. What does the Internet of Things mean, just so we're all clear, just to kick off, Joe? Uh, well, Internet of Things, I think, may be a bit overused. You know, in, in technology, we've had embedded technology for 40, 50 years. Internet of Things is rebranding of, of that embedded technology. And, and what's really happened with Internet of Things is the, the cost of compute keeps coming down all the time. The cost of bandwidth and connectivity, it gets easier and it gets cheaper and cheaper. And then the ability to process data and gain insights by processing that data has matured to the point where we've kind of hit a sweet spot where using data from the edge and gaining insights from it is now very cost effective. Mm. And, and that's really what has enabled what we call Internet of Things. And that's opening up a huge number of opportunities when it comes to retail. We're pretty data rich in, in our industry relative to other industries. And I think it is reshaping it. What, what are the biggest opportunities in your view? Well, I think the internet was a huge inflection point, obviously, for retail. Mm. And, and I think if we look honestly in hindsight, retail is maybe a bit slow to catch on to the importance of, of, of you know, internet and computer commerce and, and, and consumer expectations in that, in that side. And we've got another big transformation happening with the, with the advent and maturing of, of AI technologies. And really why that's going to be so important is consumers expect to be better served and expect to have less and less friction all the time. And, and the way that they're going to be better served is to better understand what they want and better anticipate what they're looking for. And, and AI technologies and deep learning technologies in particular are, are what will enable that. Mm. And what retailers are going to do is they're going to collect and use data that's, that's being generated in their stores today. Uh, they'll collect additional data with video cameras to kind of understand patterns of behavior and anonymous attributes of shoppers. And they'll be able to couple that information with understanding their real-time inventory. And they'll, they'll make recommendations to customers that are very relevant. And so as a shopper, you'll see more relevant things, which will make your experience better and, and it'll cause you to buy more. So we're really looking at that personalization aspect that makes it more relevant for shoppers. Yeah, I think and, and I think, you know, personalization to me, sound, it always sounds a bit creepy. <laughs> and, and I think that, that, that um, there was a little bit too much focus over the past 10 years by marketers trying to find the market of one. 
Mm. And how do they market to an individual? And, and there's this, been this clamor to try to find out, you know, the shopper's name, their address, their phone number, their email, and, and market one-to-one. And I think that even if you did that really well, they're doing a poor job today of, of offering that shopper they know something relevant. Great it's example. hard work. If you want to appeal to one person, you know, thousands of yeah, times over, it's the, a lot of hard work. Well, it's got to be automated. It's got to be yeah. using a technology, right? And, and so I think, first of all, shoppers today and people today have a higher expectation of privacy. GDPR in Europe is going to require a lot more privacy mm. and protection of those consumer rights. And I think that if you, if you look at the marketing, uh, one-to-one, you know, take an example. A couple of years ago, my wife and I were shopping for a Tiffany-style lamp. And I spent some time surfing the web, mm-hmm. found one, bought one in a weekend. And for three months, every web page I went to had Tiffany lamps on them. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you know, at some point, somehow, I, I wish that the system could know I already bought one. Yeah. So I wouldn't be seeing something that's no longer relevant. And so for me, I think it's more, more important than knowing it's Joe. It'd be more important to know, hey, you know, this person is in front of the screen. They're a male. They're in their 50s. They're an extra large size person. Uh, they're wearing you know, dark, dark blue colors. What do I have in my store right now that's relevant to that shopper? Mm. And you know, don't show me uh, raincoats because you have too many raincoats, but you don't have extra large ones. All you do is you might cause me to want a raincoat, and then I see a raincoat. Oh, sorry, we don't have your size. Well, I went from not you know, kind of neutral to a bit excited yep. and then very disappointed. And you see that quite a bit in the, in the world of e-commerce where you see a product that you want. You know, as, as a shopper, I'm talking. You see a product, you go on, and it's just not there in the right size. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's and I think you know, a frustration point. Right? Ten years, point. twenty years ago, especially shoppers would have. You go to a store, you see something on the mannequin or see something on display, and you're like, oh, "I like that. I want to buy it." Mm. And it's out of stock. What you'd say to yourself is, "Shame on me. I should have come a couple of weeks before they ran out. My fault." Mm. Today's shoppers are like, "What the heck?" You know, it's, it's not the shoppers' fault. They're like, "Why can't this retailer have what I want?" Mm. And I think we're headed to the space where these consumer expectations are so much more demanding on the retailers. And I think what we believe is that you can bring AI and bring technology will help help the retailer better meet those needs. That's really fascinating. Can I just rewind a couple of minutes to something that you said quite early on? And you said that the retail industry was quite slow to react to the internet, which I think with hindsight, we're absolutely right. What lessons can we learn by looking back at that transition to take us forward into the new transition, as, as you say. Yeah, I, we ponder this quite a bit, and I, tr- I always try to come up with analogies and parallels. And I think if you I look love at an analogy, <laughs> you look at look at the television industry. And if you go back fifty years ago in television, before remote controls, mm. there were three TV networks in the U.S. And those three TV networks would try to hook the viewer for the six p.m. news. Right. Okay. And once you tuned into one network for six p.m. news, you're too yeah. lazy to get up and change a channel. Got it. And so if you could hook somebody for a show you'd carry that person for the whole night or mm. that family. And what would happen is that the networks would really fight over the first show of the evening, either news or the one after, to have the best show there because they knew that if they got that channel for the you start of the, the night, you had it for the evening. And Tuesday nights would be one network and Wednesday would be the other. Mm. And there's this battling. And what's happened is when a remote control showed up, you have more choice and flexibility. And so now you can't have one good show and some crappy ones. Every show has to be good enough on its own mm. right. Well, not jump forward to cable. Now you have 500 shows. Mm. And the ability of a network to create a lineup and create a, a curation of content for you has kind of been destroyed. Look at department stores. Mm. If you go back 30, 40, 50 years ago, you didn't know what the current fashions were until you went to the department store and saw what the current fashions are. Today, and you, stay in you that find out on Instagram. Because it's easy. One, and you it's, can it, buy it, everything you need. And they maybe fit your demographic. And so you, you go to department store A, maybe I go to department, mm. store, department store B. 
Well, now you've got Instagram and Twitter and you know the latest fashions as soon as the designers do. Mm. And so that ability for the department store to give you discovery has really been kind of diminished and taken away. Mm. And so how do you bring that relevance back to the shopper? Uh, some stores doing really well today are very focused on bringing products to customers that they, they haven't seen somewhere else and, and helping them find that discovery. Mm. But the idea that you know, you're going to show up at a department store and be loyal to that store and just buy all that stuff there because you don't know where else to go, I think those days are kind of over. Yeah, no, absolutely. It actually reminds me of earlier episode of the podcast. It was episode 14, where Richard Hammond, one of my special guests then, said, there is no such thing as loyalty anymore in retail. There is a section of customers that may choose to shop with us again and again, but they might not. <laughs> and I think that that point is of critical importance as we continue our foray into the highly competitive retail marketplace that we're, we're now in. It's insane the amount of competition that we're up against. We're seeing an, another change or shift. You know, there's, there's the ability to use this data and help better serve your customer, but we're also seeing kind of a bifurcation uh, in retail and consumers, and people are expecting either hyper-convenient. You know, I want zero friction. What I want, you have all the time. I walk in, walk out. You know, like, How do you take all of the overhead out of shopping? Mm -hmm. The other side of it is hyper-experiential. If I'm going to bother to get out of my house and go out to the store, it better be good. Yeah. It's kind of the thinking of that. And, and I think what you're going to see right now is Retailers are probably going to have to kind of pick one thing to focus on or the other. Mm. Uh, and if you're stuck in the middle, typically your strategy is not going to play well because you can't, it's hard to do both really well. Absolutely. So bringing us background to IoT and given that separation of, of the marketplace into commodity shopping and experiential shopping, where does IoT sit best and, and how, how would you go about doing that, do you think? Well, I think if you, you think about the internet, you know, the, anything you do on the internet, you create cookies mm. and you leave cookies all over the place of what you're doing. And, and, and people that have online businesses are exquisite at utilizing those cookies to, to better serve you and to, to better serve their own interests as well. But, yeah. but the cookie, using the data you generate as a shopper is how that business is driven. Shoppers generate a ton of data in the store, but most of it just falls on the floor today. We're not utilizing it. Mm. Uh, you've got security cameras that are, that are watching out for security issues. Why aren't you using that data to understand the path shoppers take? And why aren't you using that path data to better optimize how you do your merchandising? Mm. Real-time inventory, understanding your inventory is critical. The best retailer we found, that we've done a lot of work on inventory where we do physical counts, they're in the mid-60% of their SKUs are correctly counted. Wow, okay. That's a huge problem. They want to ship from store. Yeah, you, know, you want to do that same day or maybe within an hour delivery. So you got to ship from the local store. If you don't know what's in inventory in your local store, how are you going to do that? Customer dissatisfaction waiting to happen, right? Exactly. Where they buy it because you think it's in stock, but you've got inaccurate stock records. We read one study where 1% uh, of shoppers that see an out of stock will bother to go through the whole flow of, uh, you know, I look for it, can't find it. Staff comes over, I'm looking for this. They look through the same rack, can't find it. Then they go in the back and see if they have it in back stock. Then they don't have it. Then they come out and look in the computer and see if another store has it. And then you can buy it and have it shipped to your house. 1% of shoppers who see out of stock mm. go all the way through to close that endless aisle. Wow. And there's a lot of focus in retail on delivering endless aisle, but the reality is it's a Band-Aid on a poor experience. Mm. And, and nobody you know, that wanted to pick up an item today and leave with it is happy that it's going to show up later at their house in a day or two later. And yeah, it's depending on what that, what that is, whether they've been inspired right there and then, you may have... A regret, right? You might yeah. decide to pull out of that purchase, whatever. Well, and again, you know, why did I bother to get out of my house? If you're mm. going to ship it to my house, I'll just go online. Yeah, yeah, particularly if it's a standard, yeah. easily accessible product. And so how is it best to integrate that digital and physical world, particularly thinking about stores? You hinted at security cameras to, to do that. What are the best, well, what's the art of the possible, I suppose? Well, I think 
it's hard to go large scale with anything, right? And, and so one of the things that, that we would look at is how do you, how do, you do small scale things? Mm. We know that, for example, when you do posters, you put a poster in front of a, in the front of a store. It's a prime location. It's valuable real estate. Printing a full litho poster, we're told it's about $100. Mm-hmm. Well, every time you change your campaign, you're going to put new posters out. Mm-hmm. You know, we talked to the Gap store years ago, and they have about a dozen poster frames in the store. Every campaign, they have a dozen posters. It's $1,200 of poster printing. You can put a digital screen there with a media mm. player for less than $1,000. In less than a year, there's a payback on that capital. Mm. Well, now if you put that capital there, put a camera on it. So now you're not just promoting randomly whatever your ad is of the week, but now you can understand the gender mm. in front of that screen. And, you know, and maybe you're trying to sell, I don't know what, perfume. Well, if it's a guy standing in front of the screen and it's perfume for ladies, how do you put an ad up that makes a guy want to buy perfume for his lady? Yep. If it's a lady standing in front of the screen, how do you advertise a perfume in a way that makes the lady buy the perfume? And that's that kind of subtle thing makes the content more relevant to the shopper, and it's going to create more lift and more sales. And there should be a payback because it's going to be cheaper than printing these expensive posters. Mm. Well, suddenly there's loads of things you could actually do. You could even test if that particular design is working or not, whether people are walking past, whether, oh, it's, you know, in- whether it's converting... And interestingly, yeah, you know, into viewers and viewers into choppers. One of the roadblocks we've come into in this is, is it turns out creative people aren't necessarily in love with the idea of objectively measuring how good their new ad is. <laughs> and we've seen Funny a lot that. of pushback on that. And, and you know, it's it might beautiful. be that you know the ad campaign from four generations ago is still better than one today. But but you know the data, you know, we we would say put everything up there, mm. and and depending on time of day, gender, age, different ads are going to work better. And with AI. To add the sign can learn or mm. whoever's in front of it what's going to work best at that moment that's fascinating i think that whole piece about ai being able to learn is something that i think ai is probably a bit of an overused term right at the moment but that's such an incredibly huge opportunity to be able to then begin to track that across the week using other data sources as well how to blend well you can all imagine this different intel together trying to market to a person it's super difficult. Mm. And, and, you know, someday maybe AI could be really good at finding, you know, the individual and marketing that individual. We think it's actually more appropriate to, again, anonymously understand some behaviors, some, some general observations of a shopper. And then for that time and situation, historically, what's worked and influenced that kind of shopper to take action, let's show that shopper the same kind of thing. Mm. I mean, this all sounds really cool. But let's look at a, a retailer. Perhaps they're up against it right at the moment. They're facing tough results. They're trying to keep footfall up and struggling to maintain like-for-like store sales. And I think something like this sounds great, but where on earth do you get started? If you look at uh, the different kinds of retail that we have out there, a lot of retail is a brand store. You know, they're selling their own brand. Uh, that's all they're selling. Mm-hmm. They're in an easier situation because they're getting the brand margin and they're getting the retailer margin. Mm. And they, they, in anything they're influencing, they can directly see the pull through that. Yeah. And they go to a department store or a store that's selling other people's brands. There's a huge opportunity to generate incremental merch dollars from the brands. You go into grocery, for every dollar of profit, there's $4 of merch money. Mm. And so in grocery, we've actually had grocery executives tell us that they're, they, <laughs> they don't really focus on the consumer. They focus on how do they maximize brand dollars and create right, more okay. footfall is what drives brand dollars. Yep. And so, you know, a big part of, of the value chain, if you look across in the retail value chain, the profit pool is biggest in the brands. The ad budget's 10x for brands versus retailers. How can you use this technology to help brands get better insight into their customer? And there's tons of value there to extract. And so I think there's new sources of, of money and value for retailers to bring into their profit mm. pool by better utilizing data and better reaching customers. 
And I think from a brand perspective, as they're fighting discounters and sort of relatively unknown brands that are coming in, trading on price and frankly winning customers over, it gives them that opportunity to really look at how do we best appeal and convert Well, it's customers interesting. I'm glad you mentioned customers. price actually triggered a, another kind of hot button for me. I think retail is, has been uh, too reliant on price. Mm. And there's this assumption that, that I'm going to be a little extreme, but all shoppers are motivated by price. Mm. And it turns out that, that lots of shoppers aren't price motivated. Lots of shoppers don't want to bother with coupons. Yeah. There's a big chunk of the shopping public that's more motivated by knowing about something first, about having early access, about having exclusivity. And I think in retail, it's been too easy to, you know, if you need to goose sales, you throw out a coupon. You, you, you do that kind of discounting as mm. a way to goose sales. And, and there's certainly a big chunk of the population. I don't know if it's two-thirds or what, but there's a large chunk of the population that's price-driven. But I think there's another big part of the population that's not. And I think there's an opportunity in retail to kind of serve that part of the population better in a way that would collect more value. Take, for example, grocery. Every grocer in the world that we go see, they put the staples in the back. And the logic is, the longer somebody spends in the store, the more they buy. Mm -hmm. I've heard that so many times from executives. Well, it turns out that if you have a long shopping list, you're going to spend more in the store and you're going to buy more. You might be in the store a long time because you had a long shopping list. Yep. And if you came to stop and buy milk, are you going to buy 12 other things because you went to buy milk? Probably not. Yeah. <laughs> and what's happened is the shopper that wants to just stop and buy a gallon of milk, they're looking for convenience. Mm. In the U.S., we've talked to large um, convenience stores where they have gas stations and convenience stores. They sell a shocking amount of milk. Mm. I would have never thought to buy milk at a convenience store. Their milk is like a dollar or two dollars a gallon more than a grocery store. Yep. Who's buying this milk? It's the husband who the wife said bring a gallon of milk home. They're not going to go pull into the parking lot of the grocery store. They zip in the convenience right store. The they don't end. care. What, they don't probably <laughs> even know how much milk should be. Grab a gallon of milk and go. Mm. Well, why can't why can't a grocery store do that? Put a section up the front. Take a brand. Take your house brand. Put it up front. It turns out that's the premium price point, but it's right there. Super convenient. Super easy. And so I think that in the, in grocery, it's all about the coupon, all about that. Well, there's probably a chunk of shoppers who buy groceries who it's kind of all about convenience. And you know mm. what those people are doing today? They're going to online delivery at home. The stores are missing that opportunity. There's that big question mark over what is that percentage? And I suppose a lot of that comes down to the fact that you don't have analytics and data yeah. around the shopping trip that says, do people make a beeline for the milk and get distracted along the way? Or well, I won't, I won't throw a brand out there, the but there's a, a very large US uh, uh, department store chain that almost went under. Mm. And it turned out they got to a point where essentially every, every transaction was below cost. Because through aggressive online and discounting, but through aggressive couponing and discounting, they cultivated a set of customers who only chased the deal. Mm. And they got to the point where they never sold anything above cost. And Ouch. they almost went out of business. Yeah. And so it turns out <laughs> if, if you that, say, all my customers want coupons, well, that's because the only thing you're giving them is discounts. Yeah, you train. Yeah, and, and the people who don't care expect, about that yeah. don't come here anymore, right? So I think that the, this, this whole convenience thing I think that there's a huge opportunity for that part of the market. And, and you know, wouldn't uh, the grocery store rather get the dollar a gallon more for milk? I'm going to sell milk today for, you know, maybe one or two points of markup. You might be able to have 25 points on the convenient milk. Absolutely. So just thinking about someone that's beginning to get on that journey to IoT, they want to understand more, they want to collect and use data in a more intelligent way. What other things should they start to think about as they begin that transformation? Well, I think one of the things that, that I would say is is think really about cause and effect. And, and what do you want to optimize? You know, I'm an engineer by training and an engineer, you, you learn, <laughs> you're really taught in school how to solve problems. Yeah. And uh, you know, if your goal is to increase football, 
at the store. Well, you want to measure footfall. Important thing, it, right? Well, then I tried a coupon. Down. Well, I, I put a coupon out. Did footfall go up or down? If the weather's a variable, did weather mm-hmm. impact that? But you, you kind of systematically start to break down the problem and analyze it. And I think we need more of that uh, where you, know, you sit on retail and say, my, my challenge is this. What could I measure? And mm-hmm. what I can tell you is if you want to measure it, it is measurable today with IoT. And what IoT has done is really fundamentally changed the economics of getting that data and using that data. Mm. So, you know, 10 years ago, it might have been economically unviable for everybody. Nobody could afford to get the data. Today, pretty much any business could afford to get the data. And so, and so if you know what problem you want to solve, pretty easy to break that down into what do I need to measure, what, what do I want to track. And the ability to be able to do that now with IoT is, is like it's never been before. Yeah, which is a really exciting proposition. As right? a data guy, it is. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I totally agree with, with your perspective there on breaking down that problem. A long time ago, one of my very first bosses in retail actually said, how do you inspire curiosity? And it's kind of always stuck with me as just a fantastic question. And I think it's more relevant, that question now, how do you inspire curiosity? As we start to jump into the, the giant pool of data that is available, what do you do with it? How do you collect insight? How do you turn it into action to change the future? rather than reminisce about the past. You know, we met with a retailer, I think it was actually Korea. And one of the best things that we've heard is like, you know, how are they trying to figure out what the, the customer expectations are and how they're changing? They aggressively ask customers, <gasps> what frustrates you about shopping here? You know, what, what don't yeah. you like? What a shocking idea. You know, and it's like, oh, I don't like this. Okay, let's see if we can fix it. And I think that, you know, too much of retail is more focused on how they've been running business forever mm-hmm. and not realizing how consumers are really aggressively changing how they want to interact. And whoever figures that out first is going to continue to win. I think Amazon figured it out first on online. In my talk, I talked about voice and how voice commerce is coming. $2 billion of voice commerce last year. I'll bet it's double or more this year. And you know who's first in that race and who's ahead? Amazon. And yep. I don't think it's that Amazon has created the demand for voice. I think that people want to use voice, and Amazon has been most nimble at delivering it. Well, I think that's a brilliant point to actually wrap up our conversation, because everything is to play for. We are at a dawn, particularly from a physical store perspective, that the opportunities are huge, and it's all to play for right now. So, Joe, thank you so much for joining me on the Retail Transformation Show. It's been absolutely fantastic to have you on. How can people find out more? Oh, gosh. Uh, you know, I don't really promote our website. So, you know, uh, <laughs> it intel.com slash retail. Fantastic. So people can head over to intel.com slash retail and find out a whole lot more. Absolutely. Thank you. Super. Thank you very much. So that was my conversation with Joe Jensen. I hope you enjoyed it. Joe has a wealth of experience at Intel, 35 years experience, in fact. You can clearly tell he's up to date, he's full of ideas, full of inspiration, and I hope that you managed to take something from that conversation, whether it's ideas, whether it's opportunities that you can immediately go and look at. Thinking, for example, about if you're looking at digital screens, could you put in a sensor to be able to start collecting more data about who is looking at those screens and how you could actually customize, personalize the information that is shown on that screen to the demographic that is looking at it right now. That could be a huge opportunity. And maybe Intel is your partner that's going to be helping to get you going. You can check out more, as Joe mentioned, the 
website address was intel.com slash retail. So you can find out a whole lot more there. Now, one of my kind of key takeaways wasn't actually something that we spoke about, but it was more, I suppose, the theme. You know, the world is changing a huge amount and it's so important to be able to keep up to date, to be able to understand what new technological advancements and capabilities there even are right now. So firstly, it's great that you're listening to shows like this. So well done for that. A virtual pat on the back there. But also it reminds me back to what Ian Shepard was saying back in episode 56 about continually leveling up, continually learning and staying current with what's going on. With some of these technological developments, you're going to want to go deeper. Don't just read one blog article and just think you're an expert, right? Maybe you want to go in and actually learn a lot more about the Internet of Things or AI or, you know, machine learning, whatever. And I think this episode, again, really drove that home. And you can tell Joe has continually leveled himself up over his Intel career. Lots of good ideas, lots of good opportunities for retailers to get after. And I'd love to hear from you. So find me out on social media. I'm on LinkedIn, Oliver Banks, or on Twitter at Ollie underscore Banks, O-L-L-I-E underscore Banks. Or if you're on Instagram, OliverBanks.uk. So let's wrap this one up. All of the links from today's episode, including that Retail Week live link, are going to be over on the show notes page. So head over there now, obandco.uk slash 64. Please subscribe if you're new to the show and I'll catch you in the next episode. Bye for now. 